You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 36, airing on May 7th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to learn effective coaching skills so they can engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the very first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is what every leader ought to know about sending people to training. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode here of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I am coming to you from our studio out here in beautiful Orange County, California. And I'm so glad you joined us for this very last episode in our series about training. Now, if you are tuning in for the first time, do not panic here on a Monday morning if you're listening to this on Monday when this is airing, because you could always go back and listen to the first episode in our training series, which started at episode number 30, which were some of the mistakes that leaders make when doing training. But today we're going to be talking about, hey, what should every leader know about sending people to training? And I have a great guest today with me, and that is Janet Riley. And I'm going to actually jump right into the interview here, and I will uh, introduce Janet in the interview and uh, let it speak for itself because she's got so many good things to say. But I do want to remind you that at the end of the interview, stick around because I'll be sharing what the next series of shows are going to be about, and you definitely want to stay connected for that. So here's my interview with Janet Riley. I'm really pleased to be joined this week by Janet Riley. Janet has been a friend of uh, Bonnie and mine for a number of years, and uh, Bonnie and Janet actually worked together at New Horizons uh, Computer Learning Centers years ago and had a wonderful experience there. And uh, I'm so pleased to welcome Janet here to the show because Janet brings 15 years of experience in the learning and development field. She's had over 10 years of direct uh, day-to-day work in leadership development, executive coaching, training, facilitation, talent management, public speaking. She's consulted with organizations on their sales models, recruitment, uh, succession planning strategies, you name it in learning and development, she has done it. And probably more so than anyone else that I know, uh, she's had more experience on her feed and coaching people and training people. So I'm, I'm so glad that she's here. And she also uh, very recently uh, worked with the David Allen Company. And uh, for those of you who may not recognize David Allen by name, he is the author of Getting Things Done. And so Janet has uh, gone actually around the world, I believe, and coached senior executives uh, on his methodology, David Allen's methodology on getting things done. And so really comes to us with a great perspective on what leaders ought to know about sending people to training. So Janet, I am so blessed to have you here. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you, Dave. I'm glad to be here. I am. Uh, I'm so. I've been really looking forward to talking with you all week because you have such a great practical perspective on how to help people to learn. So I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I was wondering if you could tell us, um, you know, when you're working with people and organizations, when, when is training a good way to develop someone? 
It's a good question because a lot of people struggle and and I think sometimes training is latched on too quickly, Dave. One of the things to keep in mind about developing people is there there are a lot of different ways to develop your people. Training is one of a, of a multitude of ways to develop people. And so first and foremost, I would say you never want training to be the only way that mm. you develop people. That being said, there are several good reasons for a leader to want to have their reports or their employees or their staff go through training. Training is ideal when there's a need for knowledge, when there's a need for skills, or from my perspective, when there's a need for a new way to apply existing knowledge or skills. Those are kind of the three main buckets that Mm -hmm. I think of. So for example, you could have a brilliant salesperson who has lots of experience, uh, a good client base, has has all the knowledge that they need and all the skills developed and all the great habits. And suddenly a brand new product or service is being introduced in the company that's very different. It may be that that product or service will be bo- you know, both sold and delivered to the existing client so he doesn't need to build a new client base. All he needs to know is product knowledge about the new service or, or product that he's going to start selling. So in that case, He doesn't need to develop any skills. All he needs is just pure knowledge to start doing the the new part of his job. Someone else might need to develop sales skills because they may be someone who's less experienced. Someone else might need to actually put both of those together, Mm. develop some knowledge and some skills. And then finally, you have people who have great skills and amazing knowledge. And, and sometimes we think about people who've come out of college, out of an MBA program or an advanced degree program, and they have a, a, an incredible amount of knowledge. They've developed some amazing skills. Let's say they've become extremely good at presentation skills, or they've become very, very good at their writing and editing as they were getting their advanced degree. But they may they may lack some of the ability to apply those in the workplace, to know how to fit into the culture and to know how to make good judgment calls and how to set the right priorities. And so they need training and how to apply the knowledge and skills that they've already developed. So those are some of the main reasons that you would want to do training. It was telling you, you mentioned that training was just one of the methods of developing people. And you and I were actually talking even before we sat down for the uh, for the episode here that uh, training isn't always the right answer. And I know you've been brought in on many occasions to organizations where they've said, hey, help us with training, help us develop something. And ultimately, you discovered that that wasn't the right answer at all. So I'm wondering, when is training the wrong answer? Well, I can, I, for example, I can tell you a story that, that kind of relates to what you and I were visiting about. That's Please. one example yeah. of when training is not is not the answer. I was doing a lot of consulting and I'd gone into one organization at their request. They wanted me to really take a look at why their sales team was doing so poorly. And the ultimate goal was for me to literally assess their current sales team, sales model, sales structure, hmm. figure out what was wrong, develop a training program, pilot it, tweak it, roll it out. It was going to be like a, a nine month to one year consulting uh employment for me, contract for me. Yeah, I probably followed their sales team around traveling with them and following them around and really getting to know their product, their service, their sales model for about, I want to say for about 10 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks. And Mm. I really got to know their, their business very, very well, their strategy, their goals. 
I came back to the VP of the company and I said, I, I have some good news and some bad news. And in a way, it's more bad news for me because I'm, I'm about to let you know that you're done with me. You don't need me. You don't need a training program. Mm. You don't need curriculum. You don't need any of those things you thought you did. What's wrong with your sales results has to do with a poor compensation structure oh. and, and a very poor model of how you're dividing up territories and assigning client pools to these new salespeople. And, I, and then I really went into detail with him about some suggestions I had and what I saw that wasn't working. And really, by the time I got done, he, he said he had more to think about than he could have ever imagined. He really needed to go back to the executive team and I think the mm. board and really think about completely restructuring the, the territory assignment, the compensation model, all of that, because training wasn't going to fix that. And so there was a prime example of where some really good assessment, some very objective assessment resulted in, in it being a very different answer than he was looking for. And, and the problem was he was assuming that training could fix something and it couldn't, it, there's no way training could have fixed that. So there's an example. A lot of times you need to take a step back before you take a step forward, take a step back and really just say to yourself, maybe training's not what we need. Let's really think about the performance of the individuals, the performance of the team. Mm -hmm. What are the objectives that we're not reaching? And let's, and let's really think about what are all the things that could be contributing to us not having what we want to happen happen. Um, this is something I've been trained to do to look for what piece of productivity and results could come through additional training and, and what else, what are the, all those other factors in performance improvement that, yeah. that don't come from training. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I've, I've seen, well, both of us have seen many times where uh, leaders will ask people to come in or they'll have someone in their organization put together training. And it's really not training. That's the thing that people need. It's, it's something needs to be restructured or rethought or the compensation system in the case you mentioned. So, uh, you know, it's really, uh, there's so many complex things we have to think of when we're looking at how to help people improve their skill sets. Uh, when training is the right answer and, and the training process has started, when, uh, what can a leader do in advance of the training process to get people really engaged and get them to uh, it really support people in getting them to change their behaviors. First and foremost, one of the problems that I've seen so many times in so many organizations is the the surprise factor, which is a very negative kind of a surprise factor. And what I mean by that is employees who are surprised to find that their leader has enrolled them in a class or registered them them for some training. Mm. Um, it kind of like shows up on a learning plan or it kind of shows up on their calendar. They've never had a conversation with their leader about the purpose of the training, why the decision was made to send them to training. And first and foremost, any training that an employee is going to be sent to or, or registered for or enrolled in, that should be in a, a conversation where, where the leader talks to the employee and says, here's my idea about some things that we could do to help develop your skills or help you prepare for this project or prepare for this new responsibility and have a conversation and come to some agreement, even talk to the employee about if the leader's already identified some training that might be helpful, kind of share some information about that hmm. and kind of get that employee's buy-in. Because first and foremost, when, a, when an employee is sent to training, they need to understand why they're there. Yeah. 
And if they're not part of that conversation and kind of bought into it and agreed to it, then you kind of have lost a lot of that, that, uh, that value that could come from the training. So I think the very first thing that a, a, a leader should do or an employer should do is have that conversation about why we're sending you the training and what we're hoping it will do to help develop you. And it's interesting how often that doesn't happen. Ugh. I'm still, and you and I have been in conversations with people all the time where we've, uh, you know, someone will show up to a class and say, you know, I'm not really sure why I'm here. Absolutely. It showed up and it's, it's amazing how often that does happen. So I think that piece alone is really good advice for leaders to really make sure that they are having those conversations. Um, you know, we get clear in our own heads as leaders as to what we want and we forget that there's other people involved in the process. Yeah, yeah we made it harder for the facilitator and the trainer. We've put up some barriers. Probably the employee already has barriers about because they may be even kind of resentful. What, you just slapped this on my calendar and I don't even understand why I'm here and now I've got to spend a day here and then go catch up on my work. So it just puts a whole negative spin before they even start the training. You and I have both had thousands of hours in classrooms of facilitating hundreds of people over the years. And I'm curious what some of the attitudes are that you've seen of people that show up in a class in a training classroom and how can uh and, and what are some of them and then how can a leader kind of process that and 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 either manage or lead in situations where people show up with different attitudes in the classroom well from a facilitator or a trainer point of view I, I will tell you if you gain enough experience and it didn't take me very long to go down that road of facilitation and training to realize that really one of the very first things I want to know at the beginning of a class is who's in the room mm -hmm. that came voluntarily and who came because they were told to mm. and I I often would just even when it was third-party training where I went in as the vendor and delivered training to someone else's employees I would ask the client ahead of time, do I have your permission or will you tell me who's going to be in the room and are they are they coming voluntarily? Have they chosen this training? Have they been assigned this training or will I have a mixture of those two? Mm -hmm. Because I have a very different job if if one is the case and not the other. What the leader needs to do again is have those conversations and even if it comes down to I'm sending you into this training, I'm enrolling you in this training even though you're not enthused about it, as much as possible, trying to help the employee, the trainee, so to speak, recognize what it's going to do for them. We all care about our careers. I don't know anyone that doesn't care about being able to reach their potential and, and advance and grow and, yeah. and take on new responsibilities and challenges. And to make sure the, the employee understands this training is going to help you develop your skills, reach your potential, show people that you're ready for the next level of responsibility. So kind of getting that buy-in really makes a difference. And even when someone didn't volunteer for a class, I often found as the facilitator or trainer that I did a lot better if I found a way to get that into the early part of the training to help people mm. to stop thinking about how they're angry that they got sent to this training and took mm -hmm. yeah. took time out of their busy schedule to do something they weren't interested in doing and tried to help them identify what about your future career potential could this training help you with? And and that's usually a successful way to start a class even. And it sounds like one of the other things that you'd recommend too is that the leader, whatever capacity they're in, really builds a relationship with whatever whoever that person is going to be that's actually going to be doing the training, the facilitation, whether it's 
whether it's someone else in the organization or an external party, that sounds like that dialogue is really key to success. It is, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It has, it doesn't have to be lengthy, but it, it just needs to happen. And it can be as simple as a 10-minute conversation. The, the day I enroll you in the training that's a week away or two weeks away, I sit down with you and I say, hey, Dave, I just want to mention to you that this, there's an opportunity for a class that's really going to help develop your abilities to do X, Y, and Z. And you're already doing a great job. I think we can help you get to the next level. And this is something that'll, it's not going to, it's not going to only help my department and my team. Of course, I care about that, but I think this will help you with your future career development, whether you're working for me or someone else. And Mm. I better care about what this training could do for you personally, as well as what it can do for, for myself and my team and my organization and, and really make sure that I talk about that with you. And and we've heard again and again throughout this show the, the importance of leaders really looking at things also from the employees or the followers perspective and, and really both hopefully both parties being able to benefit uh, as much as possible. Um, what are some common mistakes that you've seen me- leaders make when trying to support people during the training pro- process as the class is going on? I think there's a there's a few things that leaders really need to keep in mind when they are helping people develop by sending them to training. First and foremost, um, I, I kind of learned this great saying. This came from when I was doing the coaching through the David Allen Company, the mm. workflow and productivity coaching. We had a saying which was slow down to speed up. And that kind of applies to almost any kind of education or training. You slow down, you go to school, you learn what you need to, and then mm-hmm. you can you can complete a project more efficiently or you have new skills and knowledge to be able to do your work even better. So right. that concept of slow down to speed up. So one of the things leaders need to be very aware of is their employees taking out, what is it, two hours, four hours, eight hours, three days, whatever it is for training. If you're not flexible enough to make sure that they're given that time, part of their job is to do the training. Part of their job is to do the learning. It's not, oh, you have a 40-hour-a-week job, and by the way, we expect you to somehow find 24 extra hours next week to attend three days of training, and it's up to you to figure out how to balance that out. Mm. That's not that's not a great leader. Yeah. A great leader says, this is a valuable three days We're going to find some ways to help you offset the three days of work as you're away from your desk. But this is your job. Part of your job is developing and learning and growing. It's not additional to your job. It's part of your job. And that recognition means that leader helps that employee balance that challenge of the regular 40 hours worth of work or whatever it is to get done, plus the time it takes for training. Mm. The second thing is making sure that they have the opportunity to make use of the new skills, the new knowledge, or the new application of those things there from a trainer's point of view we know the worst thing in the world is that you go learn a new skill or some new knowledge and and then don't have a chance to use it right away you'll lose it you're you're going to absolutely lose it and that's something the leader needs to think about before they put a person into the training what can i do to have opportunities for them to practice this and build new habits and get the experience that goes with the skills and knowledge right away so that we don't we don't lose this investment that we made in putting our employee into training. Yeah. I have seen companies who thought they were very forward thinking, oh, we've we're gonna roll out this new computer system in six months and we've got so many people to train. We'll start right now. 
not thinking about the fact that there's no efficiency. If I train someone now, they don't get to use the new skills for six months and they completely forget it and don't know how to do the job once Mm. the new software is rolled out. So there's nothing efficient about that because they end up losing the investment they make and having people train way ahead of the game. That's not a good idea at all. There needs to be a short time frame between the learning and going and applying what what's been learned. And I and I know both of us have seen this where an organization or a leader will um, develop a training process. Either they'll do it themselves or they have someone do it internally or even have someone coming from the outside. They'll do a pretty good job of rolling it out, training folks. And then at the end of the training or, or maybe shortly after, there's not really a lot done that's, like you said, to support the ongoing learning. So I'm, I'm wondering what should a leader be thinking about, maybe even on the front end, but certainly during and after the training that can really get people using the things they're learning well? What have you seen work well in the past for that? Well, first of all, the the basic and, and best is the application. Let's say that you learn some new skills that have to do with financial planning or the budgeting process. You need to to get that employee working with you on the budget. You may not need the help, but they need the practice. Mm. So you can certainly arrange for them to start to use some of those skills alongside someone. So what we call a ride along or, or alongside someone, even if it's a shadowing situation where they're pulled in, they may not have budget responsibilities. Maybe they really don't have an application to go create a budget, but they've just learned about budgeting skills and they need to be practicing that thinking. So bring them in and have them help you with yours. Another way to... Which requires some forward planning to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, which I think is where a lot of people do fall short on things like that. Absolutely. It's just like, I mean, if if you've ever been a parent training a child, you, the number one thing you need to do is you may teach them something and then get them to help you do it. It's not Mm -hmm. that you need the help. It's that they need the practice because as they practice, they get better at it. It's no different with adults. They need a chance to practice those skills or make use of that knowledge. Hmm. Now, another thing that can be very effective and very helpful when this, when this is a challenge sometimes simply because of timelines or budgets or changes that happen, even after the training has been started, there is another very effective way to reinforce and retain that new knowledge or the new skills, and that's to have that employee sharing those with others. So get that employee, let's say that the employee has gained some wonderful training, uh, new knowledge, new skills. They're not going to get to apply it for a couple of months, but you want it to stay fresh and relevant. Maybe get them to start in turn showing, demonstrating that to some of the other members of the team because we really learn really well when we teach others. It's just amazing how we learn when we teach others. So at the very worst, I mean, the best would be that they start to use those skills and knowledge right away. Sure. Not as good, but but better than nothing would be have them start to talk about and share what they learned with others to reinforce it in some way. So that's that's another possibility is to maybe have them make use of that knowledge or those skills right away until they can actually apply it on the job. I'm curious with your experience of having uh, all the training you've done over the years, what what general advice do you have for leaders that are doing training themselves or considering doing training and uh, just things people should watch out for or be thinking of top of mind that we haven't mentioned already? A lot of times leaders don't realize what wonderful trainers they could be. And it comes down hmm. to- How so? I I think a lot of leaders think of a trainer as someone who knows how to stand up in front of a classroom and have curriculum and have a format and have an agenda and have Mm -hmm. 
exercises and activities, and it's a very formal structured thing. And those are wonderful trainings, but there's a lot of good training that can be done if leaders take time to have their employees, their staff members, right there with them. Hmm. For example, making sure that you're not so burdened with administrative duties that could be delegated to others, that you never have time to develop your people. Just spending time with your people can be a really great way to develop them. Pull them in and get their help and let them shadow you and let them work with you because your knowledge and your experience at your level is something that they can learn from experientially. So sometimes some of the very best training can that can stretch and grow your employees is just bring them into things that you'd be doing by yourself. It's very easy for leaders to not delegate because I can get it done so much faster myself than teaching someone else to do oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I used to talk a lot with executives as I would coach them about the delegation problem. And there's several reasons you don't delegate appropriately as a leader. Number one is you don't want to take time to teach someone else how to do it. It would take me an hour to teach you how to do it, Dave, and I can do it in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a couple of arguments against that. One would be, could I get it off my plate and you start doing it for me once a week or twice a week and uh, do the math? It's not real hard to figure out that taking an hour to teach you how to do it makes sense. It goes back to what you said earlier of slowing down in order to speed up. Exactly. There's another reason I take an hour to teach you even if I can't offload it to you on a regular basis. I'm responsible for your development. It would be good for you to know how to do this. You would understand more about why I get stressed when I do it, or you would understand more about why it takes me an hour, or Mm. you would understand more about how you could pick that up if something, if there was some kind of a a crisis or an emergency or or an urgent need, and you could come in and do that for me, even though that wouldn't typically be your responsibility. And just because I'm, I'm there to develop you, that's part of my job as a leader. How many leaders actually budget time into their calendar every week for people development? And, and they're some of the best people to do the development are the, are the leaders themselves. And they just, mm-hmm. a little thought about what's on my plate this week, what I need to work on, Could I bring Joe, could I bring Tom in to watch me work through this, talk about it, ask me questions? And it's, I'm not only getting the work done a little more slowly than I might normally, but I've just developed them and taught them and shared some new skills and knowledge with them. I, I so appreciate what you've just said, because I think back to the first full-time role I had as a leader, and it was very much a part of the culture of that organization to budget time for development of people each week. And it wasn't until many years later when I was working in other organizations that I realized that that's not commonly done. I became used to that. I'm very grateful for it up front, but so many people don't do that. And it's such an important tool set. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because my hope certainly for the people listening to this show is that uh, certainly there's a lot of times you can pull in other resources and bring in trainers and coaches. But my real hope is that leaders can become the coaches and trainers themselves and develop those skill sets. And I know that you've you've done some amazing work in helping people to develop that. I, I'm curious, Jan, and I, I ask this of everyone who comes on the show, um, since, since we talk so much about coaching the show, who's someone that's been a great coach or mentor to you and what uh, throughout your career and what have they done that's really been helpful for you for through coaching skills or through mentoring? Well, I've had quite a few great coaches and mentors, and most of the time they didn't have that title or they didn't label themselves that way. They may have not even thought of themselves that way. And it's kind of interesting to me now that I'm in an industry where there's entire 
you know, year or multi-year certification programs and formal education to do things like coaching and mentoring. But I got to say that a lot of my best coaches and mentors didn't realize they were doing that at all. Mm. They were the kind of leaders that really cared about my development. And in fact, it seemed like their whole motivation was, you have so much potential, we're not using half of it. And I probably will never use half of it in this job. But you're going to need you're going to need to develop and grow and you could move up and you could do much more uh, high level things and responsible things and sophisticated things. And it was almost like a, it's the right thing to do to help you get where you need to get. And so they, their motivation wasn't, I'm here to coach, I'm here to mentor, that's my job. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like they cared about people and they wanted to see people reach their potential. That was their nature. Mm-hmm. That, that was their character. And when I think of a couple of examples, there was a woman that I worked with uh, in recent years. We almost had a, a kind of a, a back and forth relationship from this perspective she was teaching me some very specific knowledge of a type that i needed for a certain kind of executive coaching that this company did so i needed to know more about their clients i needed to know more about the kind of coaching they did the kind of questions they answer Mm -hmm. she was really teaching me almost product knowledge now at the same time she was being moved into a new role that had been created to be the coaching developer. Mm. She thought of herself as a great coach. She did not think she was a trainer at all. In fact, she kept saying, I don't know how to train people. I don't know how to write curriculum. I don't know how to do this job that they've given me to do, which is to start training all these new coaches they're going to hire. I've been one of their best coaches for years. I'm a senior coach, but I don't know that I can train other people to be coaches. And so as she started teaching me how to be a coach within their model, she knew I had the training background. She kept saying, well, show me how to be a trainer. Show me how to develop some curriculum and a manual and some guidelines. Mm. And we actually ended up coaching each other. It was very interesting that she needed encouragement about that part of her job. I needed encouragement about parts of my job that were unfamiliar and very different from any type of coaching I'd done before. And she was so, she was just so humble and she was Mm. just so, putting herself on the same level as me, even though she actually was in a way my boss and the person I was reporting to. She was probably one of the best coaches and mentors I ever had. And she to this day would tell you, oh, no, Janet was coaching me. Janet was mentoring me. And it, it, it's not true. She was doing it and, it. and it just didn't occur to her how much because she's just a caring person wanted to help me develop. She was trying to do her job and was very open to my feedback and vice versa. It was an amazing amazing, wonderful development for both of us. And it was never structured or meant to be that way. I would love to see more leaders end up doing exactly that. Because I'll bet you no matter who's on your team or who reports to you, they have knowledge or experience or even perspectives and viewpoints that would be very valuable for you to have and help you do your job. That humbleness is such a great skill for leaders to have. And and you didn't use this word, but I, the, the word love comes to mind Absolutely. too. And I think we, we shy away from this word love in the business world a lot of the time, but I, I'm, I hope to do a series actually at some point here in a couple episodes on how, how leaders should love people more effectively, not in the romantic sense, but really genuinely care about people. And boy, when you see people do that well, what amazing things they do to develop people and then develop their organizations too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's absolutely a word that I would come to mind. Well, we developed a friendship as well as a working relationship that was mm. just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I, I still want to turn to her for advice and, and bounce things off of her. And I, and she does the same thing with me. She'll pick up the phone and call me and, mm. and bounce something off me. It's, it really has helped both of us grow and, and develop. Janet Riley is an executive coach, trainer, facilitator, consultant. Is there anything you don't do? You, you. Oh, there's, yeah, you don't want me cooking for, I'm not a cook, so don't ask me to cook for you. There's a lot of things you do well. Thank you so much for being here oh, today. You're welcome. It was wonderful. I um, enjoyed it. The, the pleasure was mine. If you're a regular listener of this show, then you know how blessed I am to know so many wonderful people in the field of learning and development and just helping leaders improve. And Janet is someone, as you can tell, who's just a wonderful example of that. And as I listen back on our interview together, there's two things that keep coming up for me and I think really do epitomize every conversation we've had over the last six weeks or so about training. And that is, as a leader, the importance of both dialogue and time. And by dialogue, I mean of having good dialogue with the person or people that are going through the training process, hopefully with you, uh, but if not, at the very least of having some good dialogue up front about what are we trying to accomplish, why are we doing training, dialogue during the process, and as Janet and I described today, of also having some dialogue after the process as well. And then secondly, the importance of time, and I think Janet just really hit this important point home for us today on this last topic of training of the importance of a leader to invest time into people. And if you want to be a leader that is going to develop people and really help coach them and be someone that is going to influence people throughout their careers, not just the time that they're with you, you are going to want to invest time. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to invest every moment of every single day, nor is it appropriate to do so, but it does mean that we should be thinking strategically as leaders of how do we invest at least a little bit of time each week with the people that are most important to us? Because if we do that, yes, there's a little more time up front, but we are going to develop people who not only are going to have wonderful careers and are going to have great relationships with us, but we're going to help our organizations be just that much more effective. And so next week, we are going to jump into a very new series. And the new series is going to be on presentation skills. And so this is a really important topic for leaders because if you're going to lead people, you need to be able to present well. Now, I realize by virtue of the fact that this is a audio podcast, it's not an ideal, an ideal medium to certainly teach presentation skills. But what I am going to cover in the next couple of episodes is what are some general things that you want to keep in mind as a leader to be able to present well yourself when you're talking to people and trying to lead and influence others? But also, and I think perhaps even more importantly for the this listening audience, is how to coach others on their presentation and speaking skills. So if that is a topic that you've done any thinking about before or something you've ever had any struggle with, either yourself or in helping other people to be effective with that, you definitely are going to want to call in or email in 
or get on our website and leave a message or leave a question because I will be sure to include that in the upcoming episodes here. And there's a couple of ways you can do that through our uh, news and feedback mediums. And one way, and probably the best way, is just to hop onto our website. And that address is coachingforleaders.com. If you go there, you can leave comments on any of our shows and engage in dialogue with others who listen to the shows. And certainly you can uh, submit any comments or questions there. And for those of you who like to uh, call in and leave an audio comment, you can reach our hotline anytime at 949-38-LEARN. Feel free to call and leave a comment or question there. And then, of course, email, always a great way to connect anytime. And that email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So again, if you have a question and want to see something uh, for me and my guests to talk about in the coming weeks here on presentation skills, be sure to email that in or call it in and we will be sure to hit that big time here in the coming weeks. Hey, I do want to say a huge thank you to Alexander Singer, Diego Soto, Georgiana Pavlova, I butchered your name, Georgiana, I'm sorry, and Plamen Petrov. Hey, thank you to all four of you for jumping on our Facebook site in the last week and liking our page. And if you are a Facebook user and want to connect with us there, feel free to do so. Just search for Coaching for Leaders on Facebook. Hey, the link for the notes for this show are on our website, coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 36. This show airs every Monday. Hey, if you want more help in improving your coaching skills, drop me a line. You can reach me anytime at 949-38-LEARN or feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, Take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Have a great week, everyone.